0: Hi, everybody. Thank you for being part of our community. Welcome to Digital Parenting. I am your host, Evelyn Katina. I'm excited to be having a very wonderful conversation around how to have, you know, those very difficult, sensitive conversations that we kind of want to go under the carpet um, with our pre teenagers, our teenagers. How can we help them build self-esteem? And how can we control our And how can we help them own their own stories? Today, I am happy to invite Nelly. And Nelly is a wife, a Mom and a dreamer. She comes from a diverse background, including marine science, behavior, and family wellness. She decided years ago that living a life designed by purpose and freedom was what she and her husband, alongside their four daughters, wanted to do. So today, she is a family life and leadership coach, helping parents eliminate power struggles. And that is something we all want. So, with their daughters, they have come up with a way to see how to help, you know, we parents to have that concept and help women along parenting. She believes that a family feels with creativity, fun, laughter, challenge, adventure, problem-solving, hug, I love hugs, good food, (laughs) I love eating, learning, cannot only change a person's life, but it is the best chance of positively changing the world. Welcome, Nelly.
1: Oh, thank you so much. This is wonderful to be on here.
0: I love the fact that you want me and very many other parents around the world to stop struggling with our children, right? Because I think day to day we wake up and that is the one thing that we do. struggle with our children. Okay.
1: yes so it really comes down to intention and those power struggles they're innate you know us as as human beings we are innately equipped to protect and defend our selves our property our belongings and that includes our inner strengths right our inner um, selves that we have and so when someone is coming at us we start having self-defensive maneuvers right and this is true of us this is also true of your child. And we really have to understand the mindset that they are not attacking me. I am not attacking them. And we really are on the same team. And when we can put a family together in a team mentality, then we can really start minimizing those defensive measures, those self-protection measures, and stop trying to overpower one another so we can work together. So it really, the very, 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 first step is understanding wait a second we are all on the same team we all want the same thing we all want to uh, you know as a parent we all want to help our children live their best lives get out there uniquely impact the world in the way that only they are equipped to do and we're here to help you do that we know that you want to do that and so we're all on the same team let's work together instead of working separate and against one another so coming together as as a team is definitely the first uh, mindset shift that needs to happen with families, which is a really, really big one. Um, And especially depending on what kind of family you have, what kind of trauma and or drama you have within the family, what kind of culture you are coming from or are immersed in. And uh, so getting that, that is a very, very big first step to even just push aside the boundaries, understand, wait a second, you're not against me. You're actually for me. And okay, there's so much relief that comes from that. Just getting on the same page and understanding, yes, I am the parent and yes, you are the child, but we are on the same team. I am not domineering over you. I am not authoritarian over you. I'm the team captain and there is obedience within our home, but it's only because I love you and care about you and I want the best for you. And we need to help them see that as well.
0: I love how you say, you know, come together and that the be captain, but we are, you know, essentially a team. But then I want to ask you, how did you shift from marine science to family <laughs> wellness? What happened?
1: <laughs> yeah, so um, I went to school. I I have biology and psychology degrees and I was in marine sciences. It is, It has been and was everything I wanted to be since probably third grade. And I went into it. I traveled some. I worked in the wild. I worked in captivity. And my husband, who I met when I was eight We got married at 22. He's a nine to five Monday through Friday computer guy. Right. And so I'm doing all this and he's, you know, having this and our worlds just didn't quite mesh, especially when we decided that we wanted to start having children. And that's when I went and started working in a more like captivity. And I also did veterinary work and things like that. But I have four daughters who are now 16, 14, 14, and 12. And when I uh, became pregnant with my middle two twins retired from the animal world (laughs) I was like okay I am done I have been jumped on bit barked at scratched, whatever so many times I am done at least for now I I still do and would like to even do more volunteer work in the future but as far as a career wise I was uh, retired from the animal side of things but then um, you know as life has it and goes through many twists and turns that was in 2000 2007. In 2008, my husband went into ICU with cardiac failure. And that was a couple of years from 08 to 2010. We really had to dive in and do a lot of behavioral change for our family. This uh, turns out is a a genetic condition. And, you know, there was chances that our uh, four daughters uh, could develop this as well. So we needed to start making some big changes in our family early on. And it really was like tur- turning a ship. You know, we're going this way. Oh, wait, we're we're turning the ship and going this way. And he had to have heart surgery in 2010. We also almost lost one of my daughters to a drowning accident just five weeks after his surgery. It really just was the pivoting year for everything. We we uh, found our faith that year as well um, through another series of situations. And it really was just the I just picture an elbow like it really was a pivoting year for our family. I, at that point, um, this was like 2010, 2011. I had been working so much with changing the habits and disciplines of our own family, plus mixed in with all the work I had done in the animal field and my, you know, biology and psychology and everything that I was asked. And I started working with families on many different levels, just, you know, um, we even, because of what happened to my daughter, my very first speaking engagements were all about, um, helping your kids with pool safety and what to do. Right. And then it was it into helping your family through whatever topic my editor gave me, uh, uh, that time I worked for some magazines and publications. And so it was like, uh, how do we, you know, do chores and how do we get them to do that? And how do we do this? And so I just kind of fell into it over time. And then I started getting asked to talk more and I started working with families a lot in, uh, health and lifestyle and wellness. Um, but it always 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 just comes down to disciplines like how can we see where we are and actually define where we are and actually define where we want to be and how do we get from here to there all of my works and focused around that and through the pandemic as everyone has realized through the pandemic i feel like everyone has refined and kind of reevaluated life and things and when i did that i realized that i have been uniquely equipped through my own personal story, through uh, having four daughters, and through, I, I have served in the community for a wide uh, range of um, middle and high school or adolescent young women for the last uh, seven or eight years. And so I really have been uniquely uh, designed, my life experiences designed in order to help parents, specifically of young women in the second half of childhood. All the last 22 years now of psychology and biology and everything that I've learned from even the animal world, there's a lot of congruences between the animal world and the human world. And, um, but also, so all of the the human work the family work I've done over the last uh 10 years or so family project I love the fact that your work
0: you know came from a point of personal experience those very difficult conversations that we really must have but we don't know how to have them we don't know what kind of work. so how was it for you and I'm imagining when all these things were happening the changes were happening in your life you had teenagers, you had kids below 10 I believe so how yeah. was it for you to have conversations how was
1: that for you it was it was constant I mean that that's the biggest word that comes to mind it was constant conversations and really treating them as though they could fully understand what i was saying and ask answer questions along the way so when my husband for example had to go into heart surgery my oldest was 4 you know i was sitting in the waiting room with four kids four and under uh not knowing if my husband was going to make it or not but even with my 4 year old and my 2 year old twins and then the baby not so much of course at the time but uh with my four-year-old and two-year-olds, you know, we had a lot of conversations and it wasn't down talking to them. It wasn't downplaying what was happening. It was real conversations about real things that were happening and real comfort that we were able to give one another too. I answered all the questions. I, I treated them to the maturity that they could have at that point. I, you know, there was no baby talk or anything like that or hiding or any secrets. So, you know, my, I lost my dad when I was one um my you know there's just some very real outcomes that could have happened out of my own husband's surgery and the last thing that I would wanted to would have wanted to have happen is something to happen to him and he did pass away and then it would have been and all of a sudden you know if I was hiding it from her oh you know daddy's gonna be fine he'll be fine he's just going to see the doctor you know today or what have you if we would have hidden it then it would have been a much much bigger catastrophe right instead of mm-hmm. really being in it and, you know, relying on one another, supporting one another and sitting there uh, together. And so we really came together as, you know, the five of us women, um, especially, and then also my husband during that time. And it always continued from there. So hard conversations have been a part of our family since the beginning. Now that my daughters are 16, 14, 14, and 12, the frequency of those hard decisions has not waned at all. It is definitely still there. It's just that the topics are different, right? Because we're dealing with a lot of teen and teen and tween um, issues now, you know, friendships and relationships and, you know, questioning everything and trying hard and perfectionism and comparison and um, social media and all of those. So really just coming in very calm, speaking to them as a mature, you know, young adult, these are our children are all adults in the making. And when we can recognize that and honor that, then we can get so much further in our conversations with them.
0: We in very, very many different aspects of um, conversations with our children from whatever age. And I think the twins somehow a little easy and feel if we lose the plot um, talking to our twins before they turn into teenagers, we are setting ourselves up. So one of the things that I have had to deal with, um, conversations and guiding, especially teenagers, is on the issue of how the French are morphing, you know, over there. So yes, mm-hmm. we do have physical friends. When they decide they needed to like communicate their friends same way we were you know socializing with our and when they're on the internet they realize that through a game I can suddenly meet new people and they easily just started having very you know innocent conversations and sharing things here and there but of course you know when they're on the internet and they're not guided on what, what kind of dangers they encountered they encountered people who did not have you know really really good things. Um, my question is how do we then start having these conversations with parents to understand that as we were growing up we probably had it easy making friends because it had to be face to face the kind of exposure that our children have right now is definitely not what we had um, I give them an example of how we were pornography. when we were young yes we had really like how things because they were either in print media and not everybody had the luxury doing after some of them. but right now at the comfort of a child's bedroom or even you know their home um, behind a screen this content is just everywhere for them so how do we start helping parents or equipping them with the tools or even language how conversations everyone around around
1: we call them taboo. how do we I think one of the best things you can do is not avoid them. Like when we are raising our kids, we need to have the conversations, and not just like we're going to sit down now and we're going to have a serious conversation and and make it this uh, out of normal experience, right? The world we live in, the world we don't have. To, we don't have to be of the world, right? But we do all live in the world, and so mm-hmm. the reality is, if we go into a city or a town or the next neighbor's house or what have you, we are going to run into things that are not normals inside of our home. And so the more conversations we can have at home about those other things that happen in some other people's homes or some other, you know, then it becomes a part of, okay, I, I've i talked about this with, you know, my parents before. Oh yeah, this is when that, that happens. And so what I mean by this is when they're growing up in the first part of childhood, definitely, definitely, definitely in the second part of childhood. And I, I literally mean, you know, zero to uh, zero to nine, birth to nine versus nine to 18, right? Uh, or 10 to 18. So when we are talking with our kids, you know, oh, you know, this really hard thing happened to a friend of mine today. I know her dad is, um, her dad's an alcoholic and oh, that was really hard. Oh, well, what's an alcoholic mom? Oh, well that's when, you know, this happens and you know, there's an addiction. Well, what's addiction mom? Right. And so we just have these conversations and it doesn't have to be, An out of the normal to have in depth conversations in your house. In fact, the more you make it a separate entity from your normal, the more taboo, as you say. And and I've definitely heard that before too, the topic is going to be, right? And so we just need to continually have these conversations about what's happening out in the world and what's happening with different friends at school um, that they're experiencing. You know, if they come home and they're like, oh, well, there's this, you know, this person at school and they just got in trouble for this. Oh, what'd they get in trouble for, right? Oh gosh, I wonder what's happening, you know, at home that they felt like they had to do that or yeah. they felt like they could do that, right? And exploring some of that, not villainizing anyone, but really just looking at, you know, understanding hurt people, hurt people and having those mm-hmm. conversations. And it really helps them understand. I, there's a, a set of um, friends that my kids used to have and they, they were hurtful to them my point is, you know, we see them a year later and they're like, oh, they're coming. I was like, you know what? All of you guys, I mean, every human on the earth, but especially during childhood, you guys are all maturing and growing. So give them the benefit of the doubt. Maybe they've grown and matured, you know, since then. And so just having those constant conversations of everyone is growing, everyone is trying, right? And so let's just see what happens this time. But above all, you are responsible for your behavior and you, you, your respect, your obedience, kindness, and, and, you know, self-discipline. So I I'd say one of the biggest things we can do for our kids is have constant difficult conversations, have them so regularly that the awkwardness isn't even there anymore, or at least it's, it's diminished and it's just normal for you to have the hard conversations in your house.
0: And you know, you, you did mention about having childhood drama and trauma. And I know mm-hmm. some of us really need you for some of you things. So as a parent, wondering, you know, because I have parents who the that they experienced child assault at the working and it actually did happen home, um, their home setup. And you can imagine your home setup is the place where you deserve to be safe. And that is what we also have to, you know, provide for our children security, mental, emotional, and um, right. but then some parents went through you know abuse uh, children from home so how do they then get out of that trauma? not really then getting out because they have to kind of resolve it but then resolve it in a way that they're not injuring their children or portraying a sense of insecurity everywhere they go because I feel like the parents who are overshielding their children because of the kind of things they went through and it is giving them a sense of false, falseness in terms of dealing with actual so for those parents who have gone through different kind of dramas or dramas in their life how do they, their children you know go through life in and a normal way
1: yeah I can definitely speak to that. I I am, you know, one of those uh, myself. And so one of the first things you need to do as a parent is really step back and separate out what you want to bring into parenting and what you don't. Right. And when I say what you don't, I don't mean push it way down and isolate it. That's not, you know, that's not uh, healthy for you at all. But when we're talking about different core beliefs, uh, say, you know, uh, worth is a big one that comes out of that childhood drama and trauma. And so I, do I want to, because most parents don't realize that they're doing it, right? And they the last thing they want to do is hurt their kid. But um, if uh, a lot of times we can pass on off that worth uh, or worthless or, or less uh, worth quality to our kids. And so um, we need to separate out and say, okay, this is what I have. This is what I want to pass on to my kids. This is something I don't want to pass on to my kids. And this is something I want to start doing so I can pass it on to my kids, right? So it's, what do I start? What do I um, stop? And what do I continue? And when we can separate that out, it's really, really beneficial, but we have to be cognizant of it in the first place, or else it's just going to be this generational issue that keeps going on and repeating itself like a, like a rolling wheel. And so understanding, wait a second, I had, I had this happen to me when I was a kid and it caused these sort of beliefs that I have in myself, I don't want to pass on that negative belief to my, to my child. So I'm going to seek therapies. I'm going to, um, really do a lot of, uh, self-development work, right? I'm really going to dig in in order to help myself here. But in the meantime, I know that that's something I don't want to pass on. And one of the biggest things you can do is be vulnerable with your kids about that, right? These hard, consistent conversations of, you know what, and you don't have to get into any details. If it's, you know, too hard or too dark or anything like that. But you can say things that, you know what, guys, I didn't, you know, I had a difficult childhood in some ways and it resulted in me not having a lot of self-worth. And the last thing I want to do is pass that on to you. Or, you know, uh, people in my home growing up, they had very short tempers and they got very angry. And I know that I can start to get that way sometimes and I don't want to do that to you. So can, is is there a good way that we can, come up with that if you see me doing this this or this that you gently tell me so I can I can you know bring awareness of that to myself right we again we're a team we're all working together and if you can be open and vulnerable about that with your kids again you don't have to pass on every detail of what happened but you can say you know this this happened or something like this happened this is how it makes me feel I don't want to pass these things on to you so can we work together in order to help me to do this and they can have so much more respect for you as a person and understanding, oh, mom and dad aren't perfect, but man, do they work hard in order to provide a safe and great family and experience for a childhood experience for us. So vulnerability is key there.
0: I love that. And also just the fact that we can use our own experiences to own our stories just to our children that we are as human as they are. So just as we, as we, as we are having this conversation, I'm just thinking about how for perfectionism when it comes to raising our kids, we are really not Perfect, but then we want them not to be perfect. So how do we conform? Because it actually starts bringing comparisons. I know my son is telling me sometimes in school. Um, when I'm packing for them, healthy snack, for instance, they'll tell me, you know, mommy, I think once in a while you can make for us burgers or you can buy us burgers, actually. And I said, why can't you just make burgers at home? Because then we control the kind of ingredients of food. But then I asked him, does the school allow? They don't, they don't really allow. But there are kids who carry burgers. So we, we need to have a difficult conversation right there. But then also there's this aspect of comparison how do we as
1: uh, that can be a tricky one for sure but again it's vulnerability right there because perfectionism as you were saying is not attainable right it is not attainable at all and so we just need to understand uh that we cannot be perfect and if the more we try to be perfect and i i ran into this a, a few weeks ago with a um, a client i was talking to and they were saying i just want to be you know the the best absolute best parent I can be for them. And I don't want them to, you know, see my weaknesses. And I just, I need to be there for them. And it was almost like a manic, you know, uh moment that she was having. And I was like, Oh my goodness. I was like, your kids do not need you to be perfect. They just need you to show up and guide them. Right. Mm-hmm. And so perfectionism is definitely not attainable. And if we don't want them, like you were saying, we don't want them to try to be uh, perfection. It is unattainable. So in order to do that, we can't try to be perfection either we can always strive to be better but we cannot strive to be perfect that just leads to a lot of secrets it leads to a lot of animosity it leads to a lot of frustration and that's not what we want for ourselves that bleeds into our relationships with our spouses and our kids you know and so we want to be something that they can mirror and grow from and so that means that if we find ourselves in comparison i've definitely found myself in comparison that was a huge huge one for me that I've been, you know, slowly overcoming over the last decades and I just, you know, told my kids, told my husband when we're having when we're in the car, when we're at dinner, when we're having these, you know, big conversations, um which is daily, frankly, but they're punctuated by great times of, you know, dancing and singing and fun and jokes, you know. It's not like just sit around all time to- all the time in this humdrum of oh, this is the latest crisis. How are we going to deal with this, right? No, it's it's just having hard conversations conversations become a part of the day all the time because let's face it we live in a world where there's hard things happening 24/7 having them go out into the world then later on they're not going to expect you know rainbows and unicorns around every corner they're going to know you know what the world is a hard place but it's also a super amazing beautiful place and i can live in joy in both of those arenas and so um getting out there and and helping them with uh, comparison by helping you help with comparison, helping yourself is, is the way to go. You want to be the mirror.
0: Yeah. I don't know about you um, and, your, and uh, where you are, how things really were, like how people were affected during the, the lockdown. But I know like in my context, that the minute we were told by our government that you know, we have the pandemic um, and the protocol is we have the lockdown and let you are an essential service, you're doing this and that and everything had been laid out. Um, The first of course, the past, like one or two weeks, there was a lot of honey. What do we do? What do our children do? Where do we get money and all this kind of but when things kind of settled in and we got understand the gravity of the pandemic and the lockdown we started hearing very many reports and like especially in my country where teenagers were reporting a lot of emotional involved by parents yeah by their own parents and this was coming from a place of really not understanding it not getting to recognize that their dynamic of how they're growing is relevant then of course we are being bombarded by all the parents need work they need to earn a living we are really stressed we don't know what is going on and children on the other hand especially boys they just to go out and cabal and just you know we did. Um, I remember my child you cry and tell me, Mommy, you're not allowing me to tell." when when you tell me to go outside and you I have to have a mask on my face because we were all really tired, we don't want to get it. But I got you know, my attention was really pulled on to the that was written and, and a subject that was saying that children are complaining and they're reporting that their parents are emotionally and physically abusing them, but I didn't get understand why. And there's also the aspect of the drama and drama that was there, but also the lack of understanding that our children are living in a different world, and so there is an aspect of we have Having very low self out so we really don't know how to identify when our children are going through a day. But also, if we do identify that our children are going through, we really don't know where. To I remember when I was in high school, you were bullied by somebody, you and you're having a school conference. somebody beats you, you beat them back until one person is down, and that's a winner. Uh, of course, those were not examples that we would give our children in this end day. But I have seen like bullying more. Uh, there are people who would bully other offline, but then when they carry the same thing online, it takes a life of them people here are coming and just calling you names that they don't know the gender parents were really really profited and not really by their children but by very many things that they were letting that anger out of their children and children are at a point where they're really scared and confused by this treatment so if a parent wanted to redeem themselves because so i know a few of them have come and say "Evelyn, you know i think i said some horrible thing to my child that i really cannot say and i would love them to understand where i was coming home but i don't think we're in a point where or in a place where we can have a conversation because i think it is a really damaged and then in that place they go and start having other call, and i think he did mention hurtful hurt um so how do you help the parents to complete them well, because they really now know that I did something wrong and they don't know how to get out of it but I also don't know how to approach my child and especially those who have like teenagers who really understand you know what that
1: can. yeah that's going to have to be it's going to have to be a conversation in my head uh, I'll just picture you know the the child is in their bedroom there's definitely some <laughs> distance some walls that have been thick walls that have been built between them because of these you know behaviors during the pandemic and things and walking in there and saying Hey, do you have a second that we can talk? Usually if you are that vulnerable, then they'll say yes. And so you sit down and you just ask, you want to, you want to build a connection, right? So, so they can connect to how you were feeling and say, do you, how did you feel when the pan or when the, uh, the lockdown happened and everything changed? How did that make you feel? And they'll say a few things and chances are you as the parent would feel that way way, feel that way too. Plus you have all of the adult financial burdens that we have, all of the adult, adult, you know, employment issues that we're dealing with and all of the government issues that we're dealing with. And also the expectations of our kids, like we want to give you the best, but we were so limited in what we could do. And so first building that connection of how did it make you feel? I understand it made me feel that way too. But what I wanted to come to you today is because I know that in everything that was going on, my emotions got the best of me and I did things that I regret. And the last thing I ever want to do is hurt you. And I am pretty sure I hurt you and ask them, would you say that I hurt you? They'll probably say yes. And then you can apologize, like really apologize from there and just say that you're sorry and that you, it was never your intention. And you never want to get back to that place again. Um, and you're work, working on things because presumably you are, and you are, if you're going in to have this conversation with them and you're working on things so that something like that doesn't happen again, where you let your emotions and your feelings talk for you before you have a chance to process them. And so putting some boundaries around that, right? Because chances are, if they said something to them that they, you know, couldn't take back and that was really rude or whatever to their child, it was in a state where they were not calm, right? If they were calm, they would have been able to think through and process what was going on. And so w- one of the greatest boundaries that you can have with honestly, anyone, your kids, your spouse, your boss, or anyone is do not engage in a conversation. If I am not calm, because things are going to be said or done that are going to have a tale of regrets on them that you don't need talking to them, apologizing, connecting and saying the action steps that you're going to be taking going forward. Forward so that it never happens again and then just leave it with another apology and you know ask if they can forgive you that's a um, if you feel comfortable that's a great thing to do and ask if they can forgive you and you know and just move on from there
0: Wow, um, one of the things that I know is very for parents is you know be so vulnerable to say I'm sorry please forgive mm-hmm. me um, I know very very many of us really really do struggle but I tell parents you know I think you overcome a boundary with your and in your face- or getting and in your sense of anger you actually say things to anger. However, it is good for you to acknowledge that you are as human as are, your children are and you can actually get to a level where they can actually decide that their time to forgive you because then it's also a process. And any did your parents ever negotiate with you when they were telling you things when you're growing up her children need to understand that we we have their best interest at heart you know they try to justify them as opposed to just you know acknowledging that you know what I was out of line here. Say things my child that really injured them emotionally and a, story, a genuine sorry could actually go a long way in helping immediate um, connection with my house about creating a environment.
1: You know, we go on a dog walk every day. So just those conversations out there and, you know, a lot of times everyone is just kind of like, Whoo, a little bogged down from the day and we, you could just go around. So, you know, what's going on with you? What are, you know, your wins today? You know, how have you felt a little, you know, confined or, or crippled today by what's happened? And so we go around and some big topics happen there, but you're right. It happens anytime, anywhere. We're, If it comes into your head, then just see if there's a time right there that's appropriate that you can talk about it. I mean, if you're around, you know, extended family or friends or whatever, it's probably not the best time, but just doing dishes when you're just sitting down to maybe watch a program at night or something like that. But any time is going to be a good time. Again, we're straying away from perfect. Um, But I brought up the going into their room because if something did happen and And there's that big distance in there, chances are that child is spending a lot of time in their bedroom lately. So that's why I brought that one up uh, of going in there because maybe they're not going on the family walks. Maybe they're not going on the family outings right right now because there's, you know, there's hurt, guilt, and shame cycles that are going on throughout the family right now. And they can be stopped with open, honest communication. It takes truth and trust. I think
0: it, it is important for us to look at the drama and traumas that we encounter when we were growing up and being politically with them because you know dealing with things that happened in your childhood and help us also look at things frankly and healthy comparison that you know doing parents quite a bit of pressure but then also just understanding that you know the people who do these things differently can try some of again as one as helping our children who have gone through self-esteem to rebuild it you know helping them build some resilience as they are growing up and children who have really had a tough time building their self-esteem for one or another when they get trouble when they start you know especially making them and what can you add yeah,
1: I actually teach a nine day workshop on this. I have another one uh, coming up um, soon because it's not something that can be you know, covered in a super short amount of time. So self-esteem is about valuing and appreciating yourself. And you are absolutely right. If you don't have that self-esteem during your childhood, it's much harder to develop later. Those relationships um, that you can have and develop with someone after you have value and appreciation for yourself yourself. yourself. They don't happen readily and they take a lot, a lot, a lot of work. Or what happens more often is you find someone that you think is filling in the gaps of that uh, um, self-worth and self-esteem for yourself. The relationship does not last. It can be abusive. It can be very controlling. And so we really want to help them with self-esteem before they leave home. Best way that you can do that is finding, it takes finding outside accountability and not to mean someone that you're going to go meet with necessarily, but someone that you can uh, think about their standards. If you're going from your thoughts to your feelings, what can, would it be okay with whoever that outside accountability is? Would it be okay with them if I am feeling this way right now? Like uh, I'll give you a perfect example. If someone has a shame cycle, right? That they're going through, like uh, I am spending 10 hours of my day just sitting here beating myself up with this shame cycle. Would that be okay with, like, would they want that for me? No. They would not want that for you, right? We want to get through our trauma and our drama and we want to get to the other side of it. Now, will we ever have it off of our back? Probably not. And don't ever try to, you know, uh, drama and well, trauma has a way of attaching itself to you, but it doesn't have to encompass your heart. It doesn't have to encompass your Head it will always be attached to you. You can never let go of it completely because it's a part of your life. It's a part of who you are. But it doesn't have to be the subject of all of your thoughts and feelings all the time. So that's an example of what I mean by that. So have some outside accountability of someone that you can look to in order to say, would they want me doing this? Right. And then you're going to need to figure out your value. Every person's values are different, and this is this is a great family activity to go through for adults and for kids to figure out what the parameters of your values are, because that is the safe space that you're going to have on the inside of that fence. And then on the other side of that, the third thing you're going to want to do is really develop your identity. Now, identity is not something that you go find. It's not, you know, out in a field. It's not on the other side of the world. It's not, it's within you and you develop it over time and you can have different experiences that help develop your identity, but those are really the three key things that are going to help you with your esteem because it's all about learning how to value, appreciate yourself, which is trust. You need to learn how to trust yourself and before you can go out and trust other people. And so learning through that, and like I said, I do a nine-day workshop on this. And so that was the super abridged abridged version. But um, anyway, uh, self-esteem is something that is definitely definitely vital within the childhood experience, you know, share with us how we have, yeah, I'd say the biggest thing is awareness. When I've done this workshop before, um, in the past, and like I said, I have, I have more coming up when I've done it before, just bringing awareness, because so many times our kids and frankly, us as adults too, it's, you don't think about your thinking process because it's just not something we're so busy today. When we can just press the pause button for a second and be like, wait a second, my my actions are actually the results of decisions that I make, which are actually the result of feelings I'm having, which are the result of thoughts that I'm having. And so if we can, if we can look behind the behaviors and see what's really going on in our decisions, feelings, and thoughts, then we can really start to move in a, in a much more positive direction when we put the right filters in place. And so the biggest thing I've heard from parents when they're going through these and having these conversations with their kids, hands down is they just just didn't know and now that they can be at school or they can be with their friends and they are thinking wait a second is this is this decision that I'm about to do in line with my values that right there is priceless because it's just not something that they thought of before they thought and which is very very common especially today in our social media age is I can be one person with this group of friends and one person with this group of friends and one person with this group of friends and so they're a chameleon and they don't know how who they are would react. They're just going off of who other people think that they are. And so, yeah, bringing awareness and just their individual identity to the party that they've never really experienced before. One of the most dangerous things that our teens do today is base their behaviors <clears throat> or their decisions off of, do the people around me right now like this or not, right? That's a really hurt. Yeah. that's a, really uh dangerous place to put yourself in as a teen or tween today and even as an adult but when we can set up this uh mind cycle that they're going in and give them their own uh, like give them permission to have their own identity and not just be who the other people around them you know think that they should be then it opens up an entire new world and what is crazy is that they're in you know say they're in a group of i don't know six friends all six of them are in that room being who the others think that they should be. And so no one is truly being themselves or frankly, even know what themselves are. And so it really is imperative that we start working on um, the a value and appreciation of trust of yourself during childhood experience so that they can leave knowing the identity that they're building. Speaking that. of that yeah. workshop, <laughs> yes, speaking of that workshop, uh everything of mm-hmm. mine you can find through my website website, which is nellyharden.com So that's N-E-L-L-I-E-H-A-R-D-E-N.com. Um, I also have uh, the different ways you can work with me. I also have our, I have a private parenting group called the Family Architects Club.
0: Yeah, so ladies and gentlemen, that was Nellie Harden. And I will post all the different ways that you can get into touch. My biggest takeaway from this was what do I want to do in parenting and what do I want to ask. And so for me, that is where I'm at. that. Um, even as I'm intersecting on my own childhood dramas and drama have a parting shot
1: and a word of encouragement of our viewers i sure do just get out there and don't try to be perfect just be real be a real person because your kids are looking for that they don't need you to be perfect they need to know that you accept their imperfections as they're building and growing and developing by you showing that you are not perfect and you are there to help support them and you're going through a lot of things too and it gives them permission to go through them so you're a team you're the team captains as the parents but you guys are a team all together do the best you can it is your family versus the world and i just want to thank
0: so much time to be a guest on the contact. be kind to yourself and remember time one another until next time yeah bye